Welcome to the Study, Pray, and Rest podcast, where we use biblical literacy to mend hearts broken from the pain of injustice and inequity and become more just and equitable humans through the spiritual practices of Bible study, prayer, and Sabbath rest. I'm Deanna Mason, your host, and I'm so glad to have you here. Welcome to the Study, Pray, and Rest podcast. I am continuing my conversation on justice and equity lessons from Uganda in this episode. And today I want to focus on what I learned from the people of Uganda or the culture that people embodied. The people were my number one teachers and number one um, heart changers in regards to what I experienced there and the culture to me was, is such a, a breath of fresh air. And I wanted to spend some time just talking about what I experienced with just the people, the people that I was in proximity with, and then just like some consistent themes that I was able to experience being immersed in their culture. So First of all, they have an overwhelming and consistent culture of gratitude. Like the people were just so gracious. Their expressions of gratitude were so genuine. I think about the people that we served at Promise International, the moms and their children in the material things that we were able to give them and the joy that exuded from them when they received a toothbrush or a new pair of underwear or a new shirt or a new dress or sunglasses. That was even (laughs) something to behold. The children prancing around with these sunglasses on and bubbles and fidget toys. And, you know, just the the pure expression of joy that I experienced was something to watch and sit back and take note of because it just seemed to come so effortlessly and the joy came from a people that at least on this, in this village were extremely impoverished and outcast from society. That was really something to see, but the joy was consistent throughout, you know, not every person that we were in proximity with or every group that we were around were in as impoverished scenarios as the families of Promise International. You know, we spent time just with, I would say, just the regular class of people in Uganda and still their seemingly ability to just walk in this sincere gratitude and graciousness was incredible and just consistent. The second thing that I witnessed from the people that was pretty consistent throughout was this seemingly innate heart to serve. Okay. Now I'm certain that there are some people that naturally gravitated to this expression of servitude than others did. I'm, I did not meet every person in Uganda, but I will say there were a a lot of people, not just within the the compound where we were staying, which, you know, we were staying somewhere where you would 
assume the people were there to serve, but I, I am going to circle back to that and the people there. But no matter where we went, the people's willingness to serve, the people like grab your bags from you and carry it to your seat and wouldn't stand, wouldn't sit down until you sat down. And um, just the way they gave honor to their guest was, it, it just, it, it was something that um I had never experienced the level of the, of how they express their, their honor and the way their service was tied to how they desire to honor you was uncomfortable as well as beautiful. They had this practice, which it took us like a couple days to figure out, okay, this is a thing here, but they had a practice of showing honor by getting on their knees. And when I say get on their knees, it didn't matter where they were, the ground, no matter what the ground looked like, they would just fall to their knees and look up to you as an expression of honor. Yes, my team and I had a problem with that. <laughs> we had issue with that because our American brains could not process being bowed to. <laughs> it just seemed we we definitely felt very unworthy of that expression, but for them culturally, it's just what they did when they wanted to show you that they honor you. And this was very common when a, a younger wanted to show honor to an older. They just fell on their knees. And they would have that whole conversation with you on their knees until you asked them to stand. From the littlest child to adults, this is a practice that many of them did to express their gratitude and their honor to you. It just blew me away. But I want to talk a little bit about the women, um, the people period. There were a few men on the compound of the guest house that we stayed in. The guest house that we stayed in was called the hive. It's, um, it was a beautiful, beautiful community. It's similar to maybe, I'm going to say like a slash between a hotel and an Airbnb ish. It's, It's pretty communal. The spaces, you know, we shared were communal. We did have our own bedrooms, but the bedrooms were even set up to have more than one person. We just didn't have a huge team and and didn't I didn't have to share my room because there were enough rooms open that we didn't have to double up. But um it was it's a very communal setting. The meals are, are served to everyone at one time. So everybody in the guest house, whether they're with my team or not, we all gathered around the table in the center of the house to eat, which was beautiful. It was, it was very, very beautiful. They, they would bring the breakfast and then we would just all come and we knew that breakfast was was going to be served around a certain time. We just come and, you know, serve ourselves and sit at a communal table. Um, It was beautiful, but that's not my point. My point for the guest house is the, the people that we basically lived with while we were staying in the guest house. Now they didn't necessarily all stay on the grounds 24 seven, even though I do think one of the women, if not more than one of the women lived very close by that they could just walk 
to the grounds. Uh, I think that was true for a couple of the men as well. I think they lived somewhere adjacent to the guest house because they just seem to always be there. That includes the security, the guy that worked the security gate, the gardener, and then um, the main house manager, her name is Janet. Now, Janet, which I believe she was the one that was in charge. I think she was the head just based on how I saw her interact. Um, I could be wrong, but she was also the one that we talked to, to, you know, to straight to deal with any room situation or if we needed to, and to stay an extra night. Um, she was who we went to. So I just, I just assumed she was the one in charge. And there was a day where I was sitting out in the backyard where it was it's sort of like a um, gazebo type setting in the backyard and all the clothing lines are hung up in the backyard and i was just watching janet as she hand washed all of our bed sheets now not only do they hand wash the bed sheets but they would hand wash your clothes upon request and not only would they hand wash your clothes upon request they would hand wash your clothes, dry your clothes by hanging them to dry. There is no washing machine or dryer on the property. Okay. And then they would iron them, fold them up and return them to your room. And I think I paid somewhere between 22 and $30 a night to stay there. I think it was $22 if my budget um, memory doesn't betray me. $22 $22 a night and they cooked for us. <laughs> they cooked breakfast for us. We could order um, a dinner or a lunch meal, but breakfast, the communal breakfast was just a part of our stay. They cleaned our rooms. They kept the whole place immaculately clean. There were no bugs. I was really shocked that I did not dwell with bugs. Um, and she hand washed our sheets and our clothes upon request, dried them and ironed them. All of the women that cared for us while we were at the hive had the same level of servant heartedness whether it was Mary who was responsible in the kitchen or Joyce, who I believe um, shared the responsibility for the, the house management with Janet. Um, just their hearts to make sure we were comfortable, make sure we were cared for, make sure we had what we need. There were times that we would be gone all day. Okay. And so Let's, Joyce would say, hey, do you want, would you like for your room to be refreshed today? Sure. And all of our rooms had lock, were under lock and key. We all, we carried our keys with us everywhere. And so I would give Joyce my key because, so she can get in and out of my room. And when we got back to the hive, you know, in my brain, I'm like, man, where do I find my key? I gave my key to Joyce. And so I'm thinking, I don't know where to locate my key or where Joyce would have left my key because surely she's not there anymore. You know, we're getting back in the evening. The whole day is gone. It's past the, you know, the workday hour. And I pull, we pull up in our van and Joyce comes out of nowhere walking with my key to hand it to me. And I'm like, this woman waited here all day for me to get back just so she can hand me my key. 
these combined acts of servitude just overwhelmed and overflowed my heart and humbled me and still to this day has me examining my heart in regards to how I show service service to people, to others, my family, um, the places where I volunteer, my the, the work that I do, because I want to be like them. I want to serve the way I saw them serve, and I want to do it as as effortlessly as they did. Just changed me. Um, I have just one more story that I want to share about the culture of servitude. We were attending the three-day marriage conference that my friends Mark and Jill Savage taught and hosted and I well I shouldn't say they hosted it was hosted by the a church community there 800 plus pastors and their um, spouses attending and Mark and Jill were the main they were the they taught all three days of the conference and so we were in a area of Jinja I think um, I think we were still in Jinja that was off the coast of the Nile river. And it was actually the source of the Nile was where the, where Lake Victoria and the Nile river converged. Okay. And so we were in a huge event tent right off the Nile. And there is a little stone building of sorts where the toilets were. Okay. So, just because we were outdoors and, you know, kind of in this foresty type area, I was already a little nervy about the bathroom situation. And when we went to the bathroom and in the bathroom situation, it was hit or miss there. It's just hit or miss depending on where you are. And so I thought this was going to be a miss. I was, I was pretty sure this was going to be a miss because we were kind of, you know, think of like our, our state parks or something and going into a bathroom that might be available at a state park where you're maybe thinking it's not going to be the most clean, you know, it, it'll be sufficient. So we're in a situation where we're kind of like in a park area, but I already know based on what I have been exposed to for the bathrooms that these bathrooms are probably not going to be that great because it's in this, you know, outdoorsy area. And so there were, bathroom attendants there that would just stand and kind of guide us to the bathroom. The The woman's line was always longer. That's, that's not different in Uganda than the men. And sometimes they would go check to see if the men's side was open in order for a few women to be able to go over there and they would stand guard while the women went, you know, in there. And then, you know, so this is kind of how they serve. Now, one of the, to- there was only one toilet in the woman's bathroom is one toilet, like actual toilet. And then the other stall was a squatty potty. Okay. So that's basically a hole that you stood over, um, or bent down over and used the bathroom. And then they had one toilet. And so of course we're, we're wanting to use the toilet side and not the squatty potty side. If the toilet side, the, the, the toilet wouldn't flush. Okay. We found this out on day one. So on day two, it, the, the news spread that the toilet wouldn't flush. And now there were women that were assigned to attend that bathroom and what they did. So on the other side of this 
this stone structure were showers. I'm not sure who's showering over there. The showers, you know, didn't look great. I don't, I really don't know who's using these showers, but there was like these shower um, stalls and they had like a shower and it had like a, a faucet where you could just run water. And, um, or it's like bathing. I I won't say shower. It was like a bathing stall. And they had buckets where they were just, um, pouring water in or running water in, taking the bucket, dumping it into the toilet to get it to flush. And they just kept doing this over and over again after everybody that used the bathroom. (laughs) And these are women that I'm pretty sure registered to be at the conference and became the bathroom attendants in a way that I'm sure wasn't planned because we didn't have bathroom attendants like that on the first day. But after the first day with that toilet being what it was, somebody assigned a group of women to just be this assembly line that flushed the toilet after everyone. And when you sit in line, these women, you know, holding their dresses and bending down and doing this very, very dirty grunt work were kind, joyful, courteous, (laughs) in a way that tremendously, tremendously changed my heart. So these are just some of the stories. I didn't want this to be a long episode. But they, to me, made me think of a particular passage of scripture that I want to read. And it's going to come from Mark chapter 10 in a section that my Bible calls the request of James and John. So I'm going to read this. Then James and John, I'm sorry, Mark 10 verses 35 through 45. So these 10 verses here. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right hand and the other at your left in glory. You don't know what you're asking. Jesus said, you can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. We can, they say, or they answered. Jesus said to them, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with. Just so you know, they were both eventually martyred for the gospel. So Jesus was predicting, at least I I am interpreting this as him predicting their future here. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, you know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave to all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom 
for many. And the women that I described and the people that I encountered in Uganda, when I think of them, I think of them representing what Jesus said he came to do, that his life was to be a ransom for many and a slave to all. That's what they look like to me. Not a slave as you are under me, you work for me, you're supposed to serve me. But I have chosen to look like Jesus because Jesus was a slave to all. He was servant to all. And this is the identity Jesus is calling us into. And so when I think about justice and equity, it takes me out of this seat of what I think is owed me, what I think I have a right to, what I'm entitled to. It takes me out of the seat of self-advocacy, self-preservation, self-care even, <laughs> and puts me back into the identity I think he's calling us all into. If we call ourselves followers of Christ, then we are called to a life that is a ransom for many, enslaved to all. And these are the people that I believe are sitting at the right and to the left of him. I'm pretty sure they look very similar to these beautiful people that I encountered in Uganda. So when you hear this, what do you think about this is my question to you. What do you think about when you consider your life and the way that you serve? I'm not talking about your volunteerism, even though we could. I'm not talking about um, the way that you manage your home, even though I could. But I'm literally talking about when you are pushed up against your needs, your desires, your wants, your desire to preserve your desire to be seen and valued in a way that feels like you're important or your desire for your voice to be heard, whatever those things are. We can even just talk about inequities in the country of America, your desire to have equitable, equitable treatment, equitable opportunities for wealth generation, equitable education, you know, all the things. When, when we think about that, which I don't think those are not, I don't think those are bad things to think about, but what happens when it, Jesus extends an invitation for you to put those desires and needs down in order to be a servant? Do you fight for it or do you bow? And I think this is the challenge that I feel called to. There's more power in my servanthood. It's, it's more power in me being a ransom to all, a slave to all. All means all. Those that are easy to serve and those that are not. There's more kingdom power in that position than it is fighting for what I think I'm owed or fighting what I believe feels equitable in natural circumstances. If we can 
extend equitable treatment. I believe we are called to do that. But for those that do not choose to extend it, what are you prepared to do? Are you prepared to be a slave to all? <laughs> Let me know what you feel challenged with as you hear this. Let me know if God spoke to you something specific um, as you listened. And that is it. That is my second lesson that I've recorded from my series that I'm calling Justice and Equity Lessons from Uganda. I have one more coming. Um, I'll publish that soon, but that's it. Know you're loved and we'll chat soon. Thank you for listening to the Study, Pray, and Rest podcast. Listen, you may have a question after listening to what you heard today, or maybe God spoke something specific to your heart. I'd love to hear it, and I'd love to journey with you around it. If you can just leave a comment on this episode or email me at Deanna at DeannaMason.com. You can join the Study, Pray, and Rest community on Instagram. We're at Study, Pray, and Rest. And don't forget to leave a star rating and review. The more of those we receive, the more people we can put our podcast in front of. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll chat soon. Bye for now.